Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. I don't want to turn to you and be like, and here's the news. Do like a cheesy news clip, like run into a. I don't know. I'll have to work on that, Josh. We'll see. Here's a question: Have you ever been up uh, on a hill or a mountain, and you you climbed up there, you got up there, and then you looked out, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't notice that till I got up here." You know, or tall building. You know, you go all the way up or up several floors. You look out the window, and you, oh wow, look at that! You in an airplane, you're looking out, and you see so much that you couldn't see when you were on the ground and and I think there's something to be said for that that change of perspective you know like we see things often just on this horizontal level because that's where we are and you get up high up on something like that and it's it changes your perspective because now you've got this vertical view of it and I think it's good and in in regard to our faith in regard to being followers of Jesus and trying to follow after him it's good to have a a perspective change instead of us always just looking this way for us to maybe have look at things the way Jesus looks at things because he has a much wider view a much bigger view than you and I do and I and I think that's good and um Today, as we are in our fourth week of this series called Decision 2016, the six decisions that will change your life, we're in this fourth week where we've, we've looked at the decision to follow Jesus, just going, wow, that's Jesus, I want to follow him. And then we've seen the, the second decision, which is that decision to say, not only do I want to follow him, but I realized that the life I had, I, I need a new one, so I'm going to ha- make this decision for a new life, and I'm going to keep following him. Last week we talked about, it's kind of hard, but we talked about a decision to mature, and so we can't just stay where we were. We need to be growing in our faith as we follow after him. And today, we're going to look at this decision to respond. A decision to respond. And it's, a, it's a, an act, an action that Jesus models for us. I want us to look in John chapter 6. It's where our text is from this morning. Um, and we see Jesus having a perspective that, that you and I can have. And we can see people and see circumstances a little bit differently. This is uh, going on in... in in the book of John, and it's, um, it's just keeping account of all the ministries of Jesus and what he's been doing and where he's been going. And we pick it up here, and it says this beginning in verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. So Jesus was performing miracles, and he was talking, and, and, and he was talking to these crowds, and people were like, wow, I want to hear more. And so Wherever Jesus went, crowds came, and and crowds got bigger and bigger. And they did this because they saw the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. So just picture Jesus up on a hill, and his disciples are around him. It was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover celebration, which is... um, you know, if, if you know the account of, of Jesus and the Last Supper that we talk about um, before he was arrested and crucified and all that, and he sat in this room with his disciples, they were celebrating a Passover supper. And it's the beginning of what you and I know about communion um, that we'll get to participate in together in a moment. So it was about nearly time for that to come. Verse 5, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Because remember, he's up high on a hill so he can see the crowds. They're like, oh, Jesus on a hill, let's go. And the crowds were getting bigger and bigger, and they're going. Um, 
Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. In some accounts, it says, even if we worked for eight months, we wouldn't be able to feed them. And just to give you a little, a little context on this, uh, the average income in the United States is about $53,000. So Philip is saying, he looks out of the crowd and he goes, even if we had $35,000, we could not feed all these people. So that give you an idea. I mean, he's saying this is going to cost a lot of money. He, there's that many people, and I don't think we can feed them. So this is what Philip is saying. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And I wish that what he says next could have been recorded for us to hear the tone and the manner in which he says it. Because they're, they're up on that hill with Jesus too. And they see all these people. And, and here's what he says. So Philip's saying, we need 35 grand to feed these people. And then Andrew says, uh, there's a young boy here with, um, uh, he's got five loaves and <laughs> uh, two fish. Um, but uh, what, what good is that? What, what is good is that with this huge crowd? I mean, can you just imagine him, like, saying, pointing out that fact, you know, all these people and this. And, and then here's what Jesus does. He says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slope. So there's Jesus and the disciples on the top of the hill, and they all start sitting around. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So really what you're thinking is and is that there's probably about 15,000 plus people there because they just counted the men back then. I don't know, but we won't go into that. Um, but so you've got 15,000 plus people there. And so Jesus, he actually takes these loaves from this kid and these fishes from this kid, this, this five loaves and these two fish, and he gives thanks to God. Sound familiar? We do this with communion. He gives thanks to God and he distributes them to the people. It's a miracle. After he did the same with the fish, he presented them to God, gave thanks for them, distributed them to the people. And they ate as much as they wanted. So it's, it's a point that, that this is recorded that, that everyone had enough. Think about it. 15,000 plus people, they have enough. And then after everyone was full, so it wasn't like some like really bad party you got invited to and you got this itsy bitsy little dinky little appetizers and they told you it was going to be heavy hors d'oeuvres, but it really wasn't. And you're still kind of hungry afterwards. You're like, why do we even come? We should have just... No, they were all full. So they, they were full. And then it says... Um, Jesus told his disciples, now gather all the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So it's almost like a point to say, not only are we going to feed all of you 15,000 plus full, but we're going to have leftovers. And so they gather up all these so that nothing is wasted. They picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now, there's really a lot we could talk about in this passage. But today we're talking about the decision to respond. And so I want to point out two things that, that jumped out at me in this passage. And we're really going to focus more on the second one. But it's, it, it would be a shame not to mention the first one. And it's merely this. It, it's that all things are possible with God. That when, when Philip looks out at all the people, he's like, ain't no way. Jesus looks out at all the people, he's like, oh, there's a way. That whenever we say impossible, God says it's possible. When we say improbable, God's like, oh, it's probable. When we say not very likely, God says, oh, it's, it's likely. That all things are possible with God. That he does miraculous things. He does the kind of stuff that you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. You're sitting here in church, and you're still part of you going, did that really happen? 
because it's that amazing. All things are possible with God. He, he, makes, he takes little things and does tremendous things. He takes ordinary things and does extraordinary things with them. So all things are possible with God. Which I think actually should give us a little bit of motivation looking at this next thing that I find in this passage. Um, and it's, it's, it's merely this. It reminds us that Jesus, when he looks out, when he's up on a hill and he looks out at a bunch of people, when Jesus does this, he doesn't just look out and go, here are some souls that need to be saved. He actually looks at us and says, you have a need. And I want to meet that need. There, you have a physical need right now. And, and I want to meet that need. That Jesus does just focus on our spiritual needs, but he actually is concerned about our physical needs. And, and Jesus models that for us right here. And it's something that I want you and I to consider today. And so as we've done the last couple of weeks, I want to offer some questions. Because if we're people that say, yes, I want to make a decision to respond. I want to be a person who responds to the things of God, to the purposes of God, for the people of God. If I want to be a person that responds, then we need to be able to answer these questions. Well, we first got to even consider them. And here's the first one. It's this. Do you see other people the way Jesus sees others? Like I said, when he's up on that hill, he's not thinking, wow, this is too many people to deal with. He's thinking, wow, these are my beloved people. And I love them, and I'm concerned for them, and I want to meet their needs. Do you see people the way Jesus sees people? When, when he saw all those people, he said, you know what, they're, they're going to be hungry. They've been, they've been following after me. They, they, they saw us up on the hill. They knew all the miracles that had been going on, and they, they're going to be here, and they're, they're gonna, there's going to be a physical need, a hunger. Some of you are feeling it right now. You're going, I got a physical need. I'm, I'm, ready. I'm ready for lunch. Jesus understands that. And so all these people were there, and he responded to this need. You know, sometimes when I see a need that someone has, I have to confess to you that not only do I, well, I pro, I, sometimes I do one of two things. I either don't see it because I'm too busy to, you know, doing my thing or whatever. I just don't see it. Secondly, sometimes I see a need, and um, I see it, but I don't, I don't do anything about it. And not only that, but I offer a little side commentary like, let's just talk about this situation. All right, if Shannon were here, this is what I would do. I would be like, let's say I'm up on the hill. Yeah, these people are, these people really are hungry, and they sure are dumb that they didn't pack a lunch. I mean, they were going to be like, that's their fault. Like, it, like I'm, I'm just going to say, dummy, you can't, you can't be, why didn't you bring like a snack pack or something? Why didn't you bring a, just a Lunchable? Why didn't you bring something? You knew a thermos of something. You knew you were going to be here all day. I mean, you knew it was going to take you a while to walk here. You knew Jesus, that he doesn't just talk for like five minutes. You knew it was going to be a while, and then you're going to have to go back home. Like, there's not a McDonald's around the corner. Why didn't you bring your own food? What were you thinking? That's, this is what I do. When I see a need sometimes, I just, I have my own little, con and sometimes I even say that stuff out loud, which is even worse, but, and I'm sure none of you have ever done this. See, I, I have, this is, I struggle with this for one, one reason is because I feel like I'm a fairly responsible person, right? I don't, it bugs me when someone else has to be responsible for something that I should have been responsible for. I mean, something even little, like minor stuff, you know? I, it, it bothers me. And so when I see someone else sometimes being irresponsible, I'm like, well, they need to deal with it because maybe they'll learn their lesson, right? This is what I do. And I could, I could see me on the hill going, well, next time they go hear Jesus speak, they're going to bring a picnic basket. You know, this is, this is what I would think because they'll learn their lesson. You know, parents, have you ever... 
had your kid wear their dirty jeans because they forgot, you know, they, they didn't put them in the laundry basket, and you're like, I'm going to teach them a lesson. They're going to wear that funky-smelling football uniform because they refused to get it out of their backpack, and they did not bring it in and get washed, so they're going to go, and maybe they'll... I mean, sometimes we do that. We want to teach a lesson, right? So I have a hard time with this. Jesus, he says, Shannon, chill out a little bit. Why don't you look at my people? Why don't you see that there's a need? See, these people, they came to, to hear Jesus. They weren't coming for a, a free lunch. I mean, the reason they came was not that, hey, um, I think, you know, little Joe over there's got, you know, his happy meal, and later Jesus is going to do something amazing with it, so just stick around. They didn't show up for that. They came because they wanted to just hear Jesus. They wanted to, to see what he was going to say and what he was going to do. And then, while they were there, they got hungry. And so Jesus said, I'll meet this need. I'll, I'll, I will care for you. I will meet this need. And he revealed his amazingness in the process by doing this, this miracle. And I want to point out this, one thing. I promise you this, because you can, we can read this, and you could read into this and go, well, does that mean we're supposed to take care of everyone who's irresponsible? Um, if these people showed up every single day following Jesus around, and they showed up every single day expecting a meal, I promise you that Jesus would start talking about personal responsibility. And he would start talking to them about fishing. He would start talking to them about caring for one another. He would, he would make sure this was not just a, a, you know, a buffet line. He, he was talking to them. He, he was sharing his, his miraculous presence with them, and he just happened to feed them because there was a need. So do you see people? The way Jesus sees them. Do you see them the way he sees them? And do you some, are you willing to sometimes say, you know what? Okay, yeah, maybe you should have packed a lunch, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still help out. Like, do you see, Jesus, see people the way Jesus sees them? Here's another question to ask yourself. Do you feel other people's pain like Jesus does? Another word you could put in there is, do you feel compassion for others the way that Jesus does? Because he had compassion. He had deep, deep compassion for us. I mean, his mere presence is, is fact of that. He had compassion on us. He came so that we might have life. There's a passage in, in um, Matthew 9 where it says that Jesus had compassion on this crowd because people were just being ruthless to them, treating them so bad, and they were helpless, and it said Jesus had compassion for them. Here in John chapter 6, Jesus has compassion on these people who are hungry for Jesus and they're also hungry for a physical, they have a physical hunger. Here's the definition of compassion. When I ask you, do you have compassion like Jesus does? A feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So it's not just looking out and going, oh, that's sad. But it's accompanied, accompanied by a desire to want to help alleviate that suffering that that person is dealing with. And this is what Jesus had. Jesus had compassion. Do you and I have compassion the way Jesus has compassion? You know, again, this is challenging for me because I mentioned this last week that sometimes we can allow our, our beliefs and, and, and even our faith sometimes, we can allow our, our conscience to be more driven by opinion than Scripture. But when you look at scripture, you see time and again where Jesus had compassion on those who were seeking after him. He had compassion on those who desired to have a new life. He had compassion on them. He didn't have so much compassion on, 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 on legalists and people who were trying to trick and, and do all this kind of stuff. But he had compassion on those who were seeking after him. 
Um, he, he sets this example. So, so far, two questions. Do you see people the way Jesus sees them? Second question is, do you have compassion towards people the way Jesus has compassion? See, if you want to be someone who responds, these things need to happen. Uh, if we're going to respond to God in, in, on behalf of other people, then first we need to be able to see him. Otherwise, who, how are we going to respond? I mean, who's to respond to if we can't see them? And, and why respond if we're not being moved for it? You know, if we're not having compassion on them. Otherwise, we're just going through the motions. So we need to see them and have compassion for them. And here's the third thing, and, and this is the biggest one of them all. Do you do things like Jesus does? Do you do things like Jesus does? And you might be like, whoa, this is getting... No, I don't. <laughs> you know, no, I don't, I don't multiply loaves and fishes. Nope, never done it. Don't know if I ever will. I, I don't do those kinds of things. Nope, never healed anyone. Never, never taken away someone's skin disease or helped them see... I've never done these things. No, but if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to hear this. You can do something in the name of God. See, Jesus said he came to only do what the Father sent him to do. See, you and I can do something. You and I have the abilities. We have the talents. We have, we, we, we have the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. See, because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not here anymore. And, and the Holy Spirit is here. And what is the Holy Spirit asking you to do? What has he been kind of just kind of sprinkling in your mind? What has he been, you know, what are some things that have been on your mind for a while? Man, I want to do this. I want to do this in the name of God. I want to do this for the sake of the kingdom of God. I want to do this so people will come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You ever have those kind of thoughts, those kind of moments? What can I do? What is it? I want to say, you can do something. You can do something. You know, Jesus has this power to feed all these people. You and I don't, but we can do something. You look at the miracles. We only we have thirty seven recorded miracles of Jesus, um, and those are just the ones that are recorded. I'm sure there were more. Twenty five of of those thirty seven, he healed people. Three times he brought somebody back from the dead. That's so powerful. Four times he provided food, and it was. Uh, there was this occasion in John 6 and another occasion where there's just huge multiplication of a little bit of food. And then the two other times when he looked at these guys fishing and said, hey, throw your net over there. And they did, and they pulled in this huge haul of fish. It's good news, Oscar. I want to check that out. So, I mean, so there's this, this is going on there where Jesus is doing these miraculous things. Jesus responded to the needs of these people. Do you do things like Jesus does? Do you care for the needs of other people? So when you see them, see, we've got to see them first. When you see people the way Jesus sees them, and if you have compassion for them the way Jesus has compassion, see, a lot of times this is what we do. We go, oh, I see that need, and oh, that's really sad. And then something else shiny or noisier distracts us, and we go to the next thing, and we never respond. See, it's a three-step process. We need to be people who, who, who see it, have compassion for it, and then we do something about it. So we've got to do something about it. Do we do things like Jesus does them? There's this uh, term in sociology called the bystander effect, or it's also known as the diffusion of responsibility. And what it means is, is that the more people um, are aware of one need, the more people that are aware of a need, the less likely people are to respond. You know, I, I've, always, I've kind of retur- re- referred to that term in the church as a shotgun effect. Someone might come to me and go, hey, can you make this announcement from the stage on Sunday that we need two people to do something? And I'm like, I can, 
but I'm almost certain that it's going to be a shotgun effect and it's not going to hit anybody. I mean, it's going to go out and it's just no one's going to respond because everyone else is going to think that somebody else is going to respond. And I tell you this because I'm about to offer you some really, really practical ways that you can do something. I'm about to offer you some really, really practical ways that you can see people, you can have compassion for them, and you can do something about them. You can make the decision to respond. And my hope and my prayer has been that the diffusion effect, the the bystander effect, the the diffusion of responsibility doesn't happen this morning. Because I, I would hate for you to sit there and think, this is, again, this is something I do. When I hear someone say a need, I either do this one. I either go, oh, someone else will do it, or I do the other one. Someone else will do it better than me. You know? Someone else can do that better. Someone else can bake those cookies better than I can. Whatever. When people come and say, hey, can you bake cookies for prisoners? Bake some cookies for prisoners, even if you don't. I mean, just do it. I mean, it's like no one cares if they're, you know, store-bought or whatever, or bake, whatever. Just do it. There's, okay, I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> Practical ways. Get out your bulletin and get out your connection card, please. If you don't have one, raise your hand, and usher will be more than happy to skip over there and give it to you. I would love to see an usher skipping in here this morning. Um, they're going, I don't know if I remember how to skip. Josh, no skipping? No? no. Look at that connection card. That's the, the piece in, in the bulletin. I want you to look at it. I want you to flip it over on the back side. You're going to see something about our big day of service. Here are some ways that you can see people. You can have compassion for people, and you can do something about it. This is called a decision to respond. See, what a lot of us do is we go, I want to do something. I do. When you mention doing something, Shannon, I'm like, yeah, I want to do something, but I don't ever know what to do or when to do it or how to do it. Here's two things I'm going to give you this morning, some opportunities. The first one is this, on our big day of service. We do this um, once or twice a year, but it's on Saturday, October 22nd. It's in the morning. Uh, we try to do it before any games kick off. It's also our community service day, so it's all wrapped in. But on Saturday, October 22nd, we're having our big day of service. We're asking people to show up in our fellowship hall, which is on our Valley Street side of our campus. Um, and we'll get together, we'll have a quick prayer, and then we'll send out our teams into our community. This year we're doing five different things, opportunities for you to get involved in. I'm going to go over them real quick, but you got it there in front of you, you can look at and decide loads of love. We go to a local laundromat uh, with a bunch of quarters, and we go in there, and we pay for people's laundry, and we talk with them and visit with them and pray with them when we get the opportunity, and we play with their kids. We bring some coloring sheets, and it's just a really fun couple hours. People are blown away that you want to put some quarters in a slot for them and that you're actually spending a couple hours at a laundromat. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Justin and Allison are going to lead that team on August 20, October 22nd. Another one called our business blessing. Uh, our senior pastor Bob Moon's leading this group, and what we're going to do is they're going to go out in teams to some local businesses and basically just walk up and go, "Hey, what can we do? You need some boxes stacked? Do you need something done? Do you, what do you what do you need done?" Bob always mentions something about scrubbing toilets. We'll let Bob do that. Um, you can be there, and be like, "Go, Bob! You're doing awesome." You're great. You're the best toilet scrubber I've ever met. But we just want to go out and bless some businesses around us. So that's another one. Bridge ministry. Uh, when we meet at 9.30 after we pray, we're going to stick around, and we're going to pack a few um, like snack bags, some, some paper bags of stuff people can eat. And then we're going to go, we know, to the overpass over here. A lot of people hang out there. Some of them are homeless. And we're going to hand out food, and we're going to talk with people and pray with them. And myself and my mother-in-law, Janice, are leading that team. 
Uh, another thing we're doing, the yard work crew. Our guys, uh, Joe Ed's men's group, last time around did this, and they and whoever else wants to come along are going to help. We're going to identify someone in our church or in our community who is unable to take care of the yard. Maybe it's gotten like way out of control, and they're going to go in and just knock that thing down and make it look awesome. So that's a, a good uh, manual labor. And then this one we're doing, our nursing home visit. Uh, Kenji Bolden, our uh, music minister in the sanctuary, he's going to take out a crew, and they're going to go to some nursing homes, and they're going to visit with folks and sing. You don't have to be a singer. You can just be a visitor. Um, and they're just going to go and bless, bless some elderly folks in nursing homes. But So on Saturday, October 22, here are some really practical ways you can see people, you can have compassion on them, and you can do something. You can make the decision to respond on Saturday the 22nd. Here's another thing, the very next day, Sunday, October 23rd. You've seen the videos the last two weeks, you'll see two more. We're doing our impact giving. We've done this the last couple of years. <clears throat> last year at our unity service, let me mention that, um, once or twice a semester, we have what we call our unity services in our church. We have four services going on every Sunday. Two in here, two in the sanctuary. We want to get everyone together, and uh, the band plays, Bob and I preach. It's, it's really a fun day. We get our kids involved. It's, it's always a really fun time to, to come together and, and worship alongside of each other. Well, we don't have a room big enough to hold everybody for one service, so we have to have two unity services. But uh, we're going to have those on Sunday, October 23rd day after day of service, in the sanctuary because they can hold more people. And we're going to be in there. And on those days, what we do when we have our unity services, this is about a decision to respond, okay? On our unity services day, we always do a special offering. And we call it our impact giving because we want to impact our world. Last year, we set a goal of $25,000 to help a church, help build a church in Africa. And on our unity service day, we asked people to pray beforehand, come to that unity service, and give on that one day. And we did. And we reached our goal. And we were able to help build this church in Africa. It is built. The windows are in. They look amazing. We'll see some pictures in the next week or two. The year before that, we said, we want to pay for and build a Habitat house. We set a goal of 25000 We met it. We did it. The house is built. People are living in it. It's awesome. This year, what we're doing for our impact giving is we're actually splitting it up and helping four smaller needs, but we're still making it our one big impact giving, and we've set our goal for 20000 this year. Now, if I say, hey, uh, you know, hey, Casey, you want, could you cut a check for twenty grand before you leave this morning? That's a lot of money. Um, I don't know if you know that, but that's a lot of money. Um, not for a college student, but you know, just take out a loan. It's no big deal. Um, that's a lot of money when you think $20,000. So let me put it in a little better context, a little perspective for you. If 160 families or if 160 couples or 160 individuals, however you want to mix and match that, but if 160 people said, you know what, I can give $125, we got it, we're done. And the thing about that is, is some people are going, I can do, I can do 125. Some people are saying, you know what, I think I could do, we could do a little bit more than that. And some people are going, I can't quite do that. But see, if just 160 do it, then we got it made. So, it, it's, so don't let that 20 grand freak you out, because that kind of stuff freaks me out. So I had to kind of bring the math down for me. So here's what we're doing with this impact giving. We're doing four things. Good news clubs, you saw a video last week. Listen, we're talking about the decision to respond. This is an infomercial 
I'm talking about practical ways that you can see people, that you can have compassion for them, and you can do something. And one of them is about our good news clubs. We want to bring the gospel of Jesus into our local elementary schools. We can do one day a week, like vacation, vacation Bible school style way of saying, let's tell you about Jesus. And we want to get people into schools, and that costs money. We have to make sure we get insurance and all that stuff. We want to make that happen. We would love to be able to sponsor three elementary schools in our city to be able to do that. That's one of them. Um, our porch media, you know, we don't have video capability in here right now like, like they do in the sanctuary. And that does two things. One, we want to be able to have an overflow room downstairs for, like, parents or if we have a big Sunday. And we want to be able to show that downstairs. But we also, for our social media, and to be able to put that out there. So that's a need that we have. And, and we didn't want to budget for that. We thought, you know what, we'll, we'll let the, the people of the church help be a part of that on that day. So we want to do that. The Shoreline Church, you saw the video this morning from Joe Buck. Uh, we want to help, hey, the more the merrier. Get the message out, the gospel of Jesus in our community. Um, all the statistics show that a lot of people love going to something new. So if we can put a new church in somewhere and get new people going in there and recognizing Christ and coming to faith in him, then we're for that. We want to support that. And then lastly, this church that we helped build last year, they need 400 seats so people can have a place to sit. And so we want to buy 400 chairs to fill this sanctuary uh, for this church. And so we want to do that as well. So this is our goal for our impact giving. And this is happening on Sunday, October 23rd, in our unity services. So you have time now to start praying. Okay, God, what can I do? God, I see a need, and, and I want this to happen. I, have, I mean, this is important stuff, and I want to do something. So on the 22nd, you can be part of our big day of service. And on the 23rd, you can be part of our impact giving. Do we see people the way Jesus sees them? Do we have compassion for them the way that Jesus has compassion for them? And do we do something about it like Jesus did something about it? This is, this is what's before us today. These really important decisions that we make in our life because we can make a decision to follow Jesus and we can say, I need a new life. My old life is junk and I want something new. And we can make that decision. And then we can say, you know what? I want to grow in my faith. I don't want to be a little baby Christian my whole life. I want to grow. I want to learn. Now the opportunity is before you today to make the decision to respond when you see people, when you recognize what's going on. In the name of Jesus, you can respond to them. So it's before you now. It's not, I'm not talking to the person next to you. See, again, that whole diffusion thing, that whole bystander effect. The decision is yours. Will you respond? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have responded to us. You most certainly did through your son, Jesus Christ. Um, you made a way. You saw our need. <laughs> you saw us, and we were in trouble. Uh, apart from you, we were making a mess of things, and we needed salvation, and you saw us. And then you had compassion on us. You didn't say, well, you made the mess. You made the mess. You got to deal with it. No, you had compassion on us. And then not only did you see us and have compassion on us, God, but then you did something about it. You sent Jesus Christ. You responded to our need through Jesus Christ. And, and you didn't just respond through his miracles and his teaching. You took it a step, a step further and, and you responded by his death. A, a price had to be paid for our sin and you responded to that price. You paid that through Jesus but you didn't stop responding there either. You responded by bringing Jesus back to life three days later and him rising to life. You responded to victory over death. That's how you responded, through Jesus. 
Lord, you haven't stopped responding to us ever since. You have given us your Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us, to to help us understand your word, to help us to live out a day-to-day life. You have never stopped responding to our need. God, I thank you that you see us, that you have compassion on us, and you've done something about it through your son Jesus and now by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We are absolutely lost and powerless without you. Thank you for responding. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we turn our focus to this table... Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.